The People's History of Kansas City podcast is supported by the Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art, celebrating 30 years at the Block Party on Saturday, May 4th. Visitors can enjoy music, food trucks, exhibitions, and artist-led activities. Learn more at KemperArt.org. For the first time in about five decades, nearly all abortions in Missouri are illegal. But we've been here before. Missouri actually has a long history of criminalizing abortions in various forms dating all the way back to 1825. In the early 1900s, lawmakers enhanced the consequences for the people administering abortions, making it a felony. But whether or not abortion is criminalized, that's never stopped pregnant people from seeking them out. I think our demands are saying that Moral codes and theological issues have no business in the law books. I probably did hundreds of abortions. We felt it was the right thing to do. But that doesn't mean anything when the police are actually at your door. In the early 1900s, in Missouri, the practitioners who provided this type of health care mostly did so in secret to avoid prosecution. So we don't know much about them. But there is one very notable exception, Dr. Annie Smith. She ran a hospital with her husband in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. She is still a very controversial figure around town. And if you talk to anybody about it, it runs the gamut of horrible butcher to champion for reproductive rights. You know, she was prosecuted for that stuff. And then the higher courts realized that, you know, she was just trying to do her job. I'm Suzanne Hogan. This is A People's History of Kansas City from KCUR Studios. And on this episode, Dr. Annie Smith. It's true that she provided a number of abortions over her long career as a doctor, often helping to save botched abortions. But she was also an advocate for women's health, and she did so much more. The story of Dr. Annie Smith gets complicated because the facts and some fiction have been transformed to create what is known as the Doc Annie legend, which is really more like a ghost story to scare children. Back in 2019, KBIA's Show Me the State podcast looked into it. We'll start by hearing some of what they found out. Then we'll ask, what does Doc Annie's legacy mean now that abortions are again illegal in Missouri? Here's host Christopher Husted. If you grew up in Poplar Bluff, Missouri in the 60s and 70s, you probably heard the story of Doc Annie. Legend has it, Doc Annie was a doctor in town in the early 1900s who kept fetuses in a jar, or maybe through babies in wells. It was not until probably my freshman or sophomore year that rumors spread that Doc Annie was building an abortion clinic. Of course, the rest of the legend was that she kept these babies in jars and in formaldehyde and threw them down the pit. A lot of the rumors were that the well contained fetuses. And a group of us as teenagers would go out there and tell ghost stories about abortions and dead babies and all kinds of macabre things. Invariably, when you'd go out there, somebody would hear something, somebody would see something. We would talk about abortion and Doc Annie like it was just the worst thing we'd ever heard. You know, that's how legends are. The town of Poplar Bluff sits in the southeast corner of Missouri, where Highway 67 meets Highway 60. The population is just over 17,000. 
The health care system and the public school district hire the majority of the residents. There is only one public high school. Parker Smith graduated from there in 2013. And like many teens who grow up in rural Missouri, he says it was boring. If you're from a small town, you kind of have to make your own fun. Beyond like what we were doing in high school and the activities that we were doing in high school, it was just like a lot of just driving around and looking for something to do. No surprise here why a ghost story like Doc Annie would take off. But this is where the Doc Annie story happened. Yes, there is truth at the heart of this ghost story. Dr. Annie was a real person, and she performed abortions illegally in Poplar Bluff in the 1930s. There is not, however, any proof that she threw fetuses into a pit or stored them in jars. She was born in 1880 in Kellerton, Iowa. She graduated from osteopathic school in Kirksville, Missouri in 1902. Her husband, J.E., also graduated from there a year later. They moved to Poplar Bluff shortly after to open up a hospital. They had four children. To dig a little deeper, I talked to some experts. The first one is Parker Smith, the one who graduated from Poplar Bluff in 2013, whom we heard from earlier. He's also currently working toward his Master of Public Health at the University of Missouri. His research project focuses on women's reproductive health care. So this legend of Doc Annie hadn't even crossed your radar growing up at all? No, that, that legend had almost kind of died out amongst the, the generations of people growing up. Um, I think it was bigger in like the 70s. To jumpstart his research, Parker set up a visit with Beverly Sykes, one of Doc Annie's grandchildren. I drove from here in Columbia as my freshman year down on a day trip down to Fredericktown, which is about a three-hour drive from here. And I went there. there. She doesn't live in Fredericktown. She has like a farm where her and her husband, who uh, recently passed away, they raised some cattle and had horses. It was just, it's very, very rural, very, not flat, but just a lot of cleared land. At Beverly's house, she tells Parker about a book with the story of Doc Annie. I think she had dark hair, or maybe it was, no, Beverly said it was auburn, but it looks dark in pictures, the black and white pictures. She has kind of striking blue eyes. Even though she really adored the women and children that she cared for, she was kind of cold to them and not super, like, affectionate. Parker learns Annie was a physician who also happened to provide abortions. And Annie did not have a good reputation with most of the town. So after you learned all this information for the first time, what's going through your head and what are you thinking? My first thought was, I want to know more. I want to know, like, you know, the context of this. I want to know, like, what people in the community thought of it, how ultimately how that affected my family. Parker Smith is thinking about his family because Doc Annie is Dr. Annie Smith, Parker's great-grandmother. He never met her, and he never knew the scope or notoriety of her medical practice until college. A little background on Parker's family. His father is a physician. His father's father was a physician. And his father's father's mother, Doc Annie. Parker says he never heard the tale of his great-grandmother because for most of his family, it's not a proud story. Parker's dad has never mentioned Annie to him. Parker has only heard peripherally from others how his dad feels. Basically, it was his response. He had no desire to have any additional information about 
his family and his, you know, his grandparents and their practice. He wants it buried, I think partially too, he wants his reputation to remain clean in the eyes of people in the community. Parker's father isn't alone. Parker says several Smith family relatives have felt Doc Annie's reputation negatively affect their lives. Take Parker's great uncle Marshall. He ended up working as a superintendent for a couple of schools in, in the area, but he could never work as like the superintendent for like Popper Bluff schools because of the reputation that Annie had had. And then there's Parker's grandfather, again, another physician in the family. Parker says he wouldn't practice in Poplar Bluff. Because people knew who his mother was. My name is Katie Ray. I am 56 years old, and I am on the volunteer board of the Poplar Bluff Museum. Katie has also been looking into Doc Annie, and she's turned up two important details. First, Annie was not solely an abortion doctor. The research that I have done shows me that Doc Annie and her husband were, were legitimate physicians who were helping people around town. For example, Katie found evidence of one patient who was being treated at the Smith Hospital for tuberculosis. Why then would Annie perform abortions? Abortion was illegal until the Supreme Court case Roe v. Wade, which was decided after Annie's death. And here's where the second detail comes in. Women's health issues in 1930s Missouri were challenging, especially for mothers who frequently were getting pregnant. So you kind of have to put your your head in the perspective of the times to to figure out why this was so controversial and why she ever even saw a need for this. Well, she saw a need for it because women died in childbirth. Women couldn't control how many babies they had. So was Annie a pioneer or a pariah? The stories we don't hear are the women's lives she saved. We don't have those stories anymore. You know, I know that you know they're probably there, but we don't have them. Her, their families, you know, the woman's family's never going to talk about that. They may not even know. And so much time has passed. Those <clears throat> women are no longer with us. So we don't have those stories. Over time, Annie's story became skewed. While initially a public health issue in Annie's era, abortion took on a controversial nature during the 1970s, when then-presidential candidate Richard Nixon politicized the issue, right when the Doc Annie urban legend was peaking in Poplar Bluff. If you look through Poplar Bluff history, you won't readily see Annie's legacy. She isn't noted in the Poplar Bluff Museum, although Katie wants to change that. You know, I knew enough about her to think, this is somebody that really should be featured in the Poplar Bluff Museum. And then I thought, mm, no, it's just too controversial, too too hot of a topic. Um, just the, you know, I didn't want to incite the abortion debate in the museum. But I do feel like she has a legitimate place in history. The stigma of abortion runs deep in rural communities. And that plays heavily into making Doc Annie's work taboo in Poplar Bluff. The rest of the Smith family still feels those ripples. Of course, because abortion was illegal, we don't have great information about how many abortions Doc Annie performed or the nature of them. But through Parker's research, we do know some details about two cases, because Annie had to go to court two times to defend herself. In each case, the death of a woman who was under Annie's care was tied to an abortion. 
1934, the patient who died was a local school teacher. She was unmarried and she lived with her parents. She had an infected incision point due to an abortion being performed. She died from blood poisoning. But the thing, the thing is, in her note, when the woman came and saw her, she noted that the puncture hole that had gotten infected was already there um, whenever she came in to see her. So there were a lot of women who were performing self-abortions who ended up having to go to her because they knew that she would help them either, you know, fix it or complete a job that they weren't able to do. And my mom told me this, too. She she said that she thinks that Annie performed more, like, abortion fixes than actual abortions. So, like, women coming in and, like, needing medical services because they had tried to do those things to themselves. Ultimately, Annie was exonerated of both charges by the Missouri Supreme Court. Annie felt the heat, though, and she needed to get out. She started building a house away from people on Township Line Road perhaps to escape the leering townsfolk or her growing reputation. Parker says she wanted a garden and a place to raise her own livestock and can her own foods. But Annie Smith died before the building was ever complete. That building? The haunted hospital ghost hunters search for decades later. Nobody really knew the purpose of the, you know, the haunted hospital that they thought that they knew so much about. Even though Parker has uncovered so much forgotten history, his dad is reluctant to discuss Annie. I think my dad doesn't really like to have difficult conversations either. Parker feels differently. I mean, I, I believe wholeheartedly that she was doing all of these things because she believed that it was the best thing that she could do for her patients. Something that doesn't make sense to me as far as like the whole abortion debate is context. There's a lot of context in why things happen and why people need these services. That was Parker Smith with senior reporter Christopher Husted in 2019 on KBIA's podcast, Show Me the State. Nowadays, after the overturning of Roe versus Wade, Parker Smith is rethinking his great-grandmother's legacy and seeing parallels in what physicians are dealing with now. You listen to A People's History of Kansas City for a fresh take on local history. We want to honor these stories, and we take the reporting very seriously. And sometimes we just need to chill. Want to hang? Let's party! Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro will make a special appearance, and boy, it's going to be bumping. you got to be there. Please come support our work. Ticket information is available at kcur.org slash radioactive. It's interesting to me that Doc Annie, a doctor who was working in this town for decades, turned into a ghost story. I guess it's probably partly because what she was doing back in the early 1900s was considered taboo and is still a very politically polarizing topic today. But there is so much more about her life and legacy. PHKC producer Mackenzie Martin has been doing some more reporting on her. What else should we know about her, Mackenzie? Hello. So... I dug around, and I think the thing that stuck out to me as the number one thing that people don't really talk about when it comes to Doc Annie is that in addition to abortions and other medical procedures that she performed for women, she also facilitated a number of adoptions. And I heard that from Katie Ray, who you'll remember, she lives in Poplar Bluff and has studied Doc Annie pretty extensively. 
you know, she's always had this uh, really awful image of being an abortionist, but she also put people together, unwed mothers perhaps, or just mothers who didn't want their babies, but still wanted to have them. And she put them together with families that wanted babies. So Katie said early on in her research, she actually found this self-published book that had been written by this woman who had been adopted in Poplar Bluff. And she had always been told the story by her adoptive mother that Doc Annie had provided this adoption. Doc Annie also adopted a child from a patient. And I heard that from her great-grandson, Parker Smith. That great aunt, I believe, passed away years and years and years ago. But it was just interesting to see, like, just the different ways that she cared for patients. I guess I probably shouldn't be all that surprised that that part of her story hasn't got as much play as the other parts. What I take away from that is that it really seems like she was there for her patients, kind of in whatever way they needed. And yet, you know, this ghost story and kind of the controversy around her in town has kind of put her in solely this abortion box, even though she really did so much more than that. I don't know, it made for a more compelling story for people for years and in, in Popper Bluff is like the baby killer, you know, you know, go go down into the the woods and stare down to a well and and talk about how the, the souls of babies and Doc Annie will come and get you or whatever. Parker says that the truth about his great grandmother is kind of less fantastical. I don't know, people will remember that more than like, oh, it's just this woman who was a physician who treated patients and, you know, saved some lives. <laughs> people, people are just like, oh, it's somebody doing their job. <laughs> so what does Parker Smith think about his great grandmother's work now? What's he up to? So Parker is starting his second year of medical school at Mizzou currently, and he hasn't dug really much more into her legacy for the last couple of years. But he's definitely thinking about it because You know, he's been following the news in Missouri, and he told me he was just kind of feeling like, can I really develop professionally in this state when the leadership here is policing health care in a way that I don't agree with? And he was kind of referring specifically in regards to Missouri's recent law banning abortion, except in cases of medical emergency. You know, you see all these news stories now, you know, recently in what Indiana and Ohio and doctors being sued for trying to do their jobs and uh, trying to do what's right for people, but getting sued to make national attention by whatever attorney general of the day is, is doing it with like no consideration of the health of, you know, the mother in these cases. You could honestly cite a number of cases in the headlines right now because doctors all over the country are kind of fearing repercussions now that Roe v. Wade is overturned because it's, it's a gray area. And actually, earlier this month in Missouri, a chief medical officer for Planned Parenthood told St. Louis Public Radio that this ban is putting patients who need life-saving abortions at risk because doctors are literally having to wait for guidance from lawyers. This has caused incredible chaos in the medical community where physicians are wondering how sick is sick enough before they can provide abortion care in the state of Missouri when faced with a very real possibility of criminal penalties. It's hard not to think about all the parallels between what we're seeing now and the kind of persecution Doc Annie dealt with back in the 1930s. Yeah, I actually spoke to a history professor about this, Dr. Evan Hart at Missouri Western State University. And she told me that if a woman died of an abortion back in the 1900s, 
The case almost always made it to the courtroom. So that's not unusual. But she said that the fact that Doc Annie only went to court twice for patients who died suggested to her that Doc Annie probably performed many abortions safely. And one of the cases Doc Annie went to court for, remember, was a situation where a woman had done something to herself and Doc Annie was trying to fix it. I talked to Katie Ray about that. How's that going to play out now in 2022 if that sort of thing happens again? We don't know that yet, but how is that going to play out if a woman decides she wants to have an abortion and she decides to try to do this procedure herself and it doesn't go well, because how could it go well? And and then she goes to her local emergency room and they try to help her. How's that going to play out? You know, we don't know that yet. Is there any real effort to kind of clear up Doc Annie's name? Like highlight the truths about her work and the impact it had on other people? Like, are there any efforts to make her actual story more well-known? So not officially, but there have been some small developments at the Poplar Bluff Museum, which Katie Ray helps run. And I've been on that board for about 20, about 25 years now. And honestly, I'm probably the only one on the museum board that you could get to talk to you about this. (laughs) As expected, Doc Annie's reputation in Poplar Bluff is still extremely controversial, But uh, since KBIA's podcast came out in 2019, there has been kind of an interesting development there. Um, So for context, at the Poplar Bluff Museum, there's a medical room that talks about hospitals that used to be around and stuff like that. But there's nothing about Doc Annie, Smith Hospital, Doc Annie's husband, who was also a physician. It's kind of like anything pertaining to her is off limits. So if you know about Doc Annie and are visiting for the first time, it's kind of easy to walk through and feel a little bit like, where is she? So this woman walked through the museum, came back and said, I'm I'm very surprised there's nothing about Doc Annie in the museum. I said, well, you know, that's something I've been working on. That's something I've been wanting to do and interested in doing. And she said, I would be glad to fully fund anything you would like to do. And she said she was absolutely serious. Do you know why Doc Annie didn't get included in the first place? So up until now, there have kind of been two reasons that Katie has been hesitating to push the Doc Annie exhibit too hard. And firstly, that's because the topic of abortion is extremely polarizing in Poplar Bluff. Katie actually proposed the exhibit years ago, but... Got a no from the museum board. Poplar Bluff is just a very conservative area, and it really always has been. And on top of that, they want to be respectful of Doc Annie's family. Obviously, Parker Smith is really open about how proud he is of his great-grandmother's legacy, but his dad, who spent his career in Poplar Bluff as a physician, doesn't really want to have anything to do with her. Recently, his dad retired So I do get this sense from Katie Ray that it might finally happen, but it's hard to know. And it's kind of a fine line we walk as a local museum. We don't want to, um, we don't want to be a platform for controversy, you know? I mean, that's, we want to be open and inclusive to all and we, but yet history is history and, and it is what it is and we can't get rid of our history. So that's why I feel very strongly that she should be included in the museum. You know, Dr. Annie Smith is part of our history here in Poplar Bluff, and that's what the museum is supposed to do. We're supposed to present history, good, bad, or ugly, and um, we really do need to address that. Man, I think about that stuff, like, 
all the time. <laughs> like, why do some history stories get the spotlight and others just get shoved under the rug? And I agree, I think it's really important to shine a light on all of it. At least try to learn from all parts of the past, I guess. I mean, even if you don't or do politically agree with it. Yeah, totally. And it's also so interesting to me to see how your feelings or reactions to certain histories kind of evolve over time. Uh, back in 2019, when Parker Smith had been more recently digging into his great-grandmother's legacy, he was considering going back to Poplar Bluff to practice medicine when he was done with school. I think partly because he kind of saw what a difference Doc Annie had made there, and he also said he didn't like the brain drain he was seeing in rural Missouri. You know how smart, talented people tend to leave for big cities where there are other opportunities? Now, between the pandemic and Roe v. Wade, he's not so sure if there's a future for him anymore in Poplar Bluff, but he's determined, no matter what, to kind of carry on the dedication that Doc Annie had to her patients and honor her memory. You know, the real stuff that she did, not the ghost story version. I'm looking forward to learning more and doing what I can to at least, you know, put put this word out and try to, you know, live the legacy of, of my great-grandmother as well as the other physicians in my family who have, you know, saved countless lives. A People's History of Kansas City is a production from KCUR Studios. This episode was produced and mixed by Mackenzie Martin with editing by Gabe Rosenberg. Our intern is Paris Norvell. The excerpt we played from KBIA's Show Me the State podcast was produced by Jamie Hobbs with supervising producer and reporter Christopher Husted and managing editor Ryan Famuliner. Music this episode from Blue Dot Sessions and Loose Loose, and a special thanks to KBIA in Columbia and KPIX and NPR for archival audio. Coming up in two weeks on the podcast. It was like a cocoon, especially during the 80s. The history of one of the nation's first Black-owned housing cooperatives, a Kansas City place that's under threat today. Until then, find us at kcur.org slash people's history. And we're on Twitter at PHKCPod for more stories about the people who created Kansas City and the region. I'm Suzanne Hogan. Take care and thanks for listening. <laughs>